0: Well, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. Any background noise you hear is probably my grandson, mm-hmm. William,
1: right, or his grandmother. I was going to say, over him. you may hear more of grandmother than William. Actually. He came into my studio today, came to the top of the stairs, and there he was. I walk up to the, the stairs, business as usual, turn to the left, and there's this adorable kid just standing there with a football in his hands. 18 months, 17 and months. He looks at me, he smiles, a ridiculously wonderful, gorgeous smile uh looks me right in the eyes and he throws the football to me there we go i catch it and i roll it back on the ground at him he chuckles he picks it up he throws it back at yeah me. <laughs> and it's manny all over again it's, it's manny all it's over your boy again. all yeah. over yeah. again mm-hmm. god I love him oh boy how oh, he does disrupt our lives here he's Every- charming man I mean, everything stops yeah oh yeah 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 has to has to
0: We are going to try to to deliver thoughtful conversation about the news of the day, address the existential threats to America. I do want to get some perspective on America today, and so we'll get it from our friend David Golernter. He's a professor of computer science at Yale. I don't know why they haven't
1: fired him. Uh, He is so conservative and so brilliant. Quotas. You've got to meet quotas to appear to be. I guess maybe. I don't think there's a quota for those guys. For that kind of thing.
0: Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org, presentdangerchina.org. Let's welcome David Goulart to the show. He's a professor of computer science at Yale, uh, an author, a genius, uh, and partly inventor of the JavaScript, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. David, uh, you're a great student of this country. You've written about this country. Uh, you've talked about low points, high points. I, I usually use the 60s. Uh, in 1968, Annis horrible uh, as a kind of low point in recent American history. It's a right. reference to me as a very bad time, all that was going on. but
2: I certainly see that it was, and yet it had high points for me. I mean, everybody had personal Yep. The personal experience, as opposed to the national experience, but in any case.
0: What about the national experience now?
2: The national experience now, I think there are two countervailing forces. One is horror at the nature of this administration. I think the shock of Afghanistan will be a long, long time stuck in the in, in the national psyche i mean it was such a blow such a punch in the face to national pride and honor uh, the countervailing force is the detachment increasing detachment that so many americans seem to feel partly because of the collapse of our schools and colleges and partly as a defensive device. It's just been a very difficult couple of years, and uh, not just in terms of the nation's status, but in people's personal status, the economy and the way the world sees Americans. I mean, that sense of, of, of honor seems abstract, but I think it matters enormously to people. Um, they don't talk about it all the time. They don't make a big deal about it all the time. They don't wave the flag every day. But the sense that this is not merely an honorable nation, but the leading nation, in a sense, history's leading nation, uh, means a lot to them, and they're losing it. When they see, when they see Biden doing the stuff he's doing, when they see uh, this business of the raid on, uh, on Trump's mansion to sort of act as one of the ongoing, you know, commentary points on the bigger picture. It seems to me people are disgusted and they say, what, what the hell is this? And, and where are the people with authority? Where are the people who speak with authority who can get up there and say, not from a political point of view, but just speaking as an American expert, as it were, uh, a respected, highly respected person who transcends party can say, "This is not acceptable. This must change right now." I'm thinking of a Henry Kissinger type, and i I don't think that Kissinger is so bad badly off. I think he might I think he might do well. Um, you're the type. Um, you are, of course, associated with um, Republicans and conservatives, but you also have what is the most important missing ingredient, which is authority. The the nation has been desperate for, I think, for for a generation, for two generations. Um, instead, it gets commentaries um, in their twenties or newsmen in their twenties, and or 30s, it doesn't really matter, but um, smart guys who are delivering their opinion, but not people they can ever uh, look up to or, or respect or say, well, I didn't understand it that way, but now I do, and I'm changing my mind. I mean, people can actually change the mind of of an American citizen. Uh, We have been losing that for years and years, and we're losing it even worse now. I mean, even for those who admire Trump, and I admire him in a lot of ways, uh, Trump was never that man, that man to whom people could look up for authoritative Wisdom, we need it. you don't have enough of it.
0: well you talk about detachment is this detachment of the American people or a large part of the American people the same as withdrawal have they withdrawn from politics and the in the in the best sense in the, in the Aristotle sense from the from the public square do they care about the raid on trump's House. I said the other night, I said, uh, you know, I heard the reports that there's outrage in the country. I said, well, there's outrage in a part of the country, maybe in 30 percent or 35 percent. But for the rest, uh, I don't see it.
2: I I think it has always been a outstanding point of America, of the United States, that people did not feel obligated to worry about Washington. By and large, Except at the time of a presidential election, by and large, there were agencies there and there was the Congress and there was the court that were all seen as basically doing their job. Sometimes they did outrageous things, sometimes they did good things, but you could trust them to carry on. I mean, certainly, an institution like the FBI, ever since uh, uh, the 1930s and, and and the rise of the G-man view of the FBI, people people have taken comfort, had taken comfort from the FBI. It's hard to believe, but the idea of the FBI would, would keep them safe. So there, there is a tradition of not paying attention, and that tradition is a tribute to the yeah. stability and safety. Yeah of our government but we're losing that and how people are going to react i don't know i mean it's true that a lot uh, many many people who who had thinking about trump said he's a powerful speaker and he was by and large a successful president Yep. um but um, he's not the best guy to run um, in the next presidential election. Of course, everybody is a little more sure about that than they than they should be. We don't have to worry or think about him anymore. But we're falling into exactly the trot the trap that Garland and the uh, administration have laid. I mean, if you think of the FBI men going through. Going through a private home, uh, you know, tearing papers apart, looking up this alley and and that alley with not the slightest respect shown for a former president of the United States. Um, Not merely the choice of 70 odd million people, but more important, the representative, the chosen representative of this nation and and these flimsy nothing FBI men, Uh, who the hell are they to express arrogance in relationship to a man who has actually been elected president. It's um, I I think these sorts of things do rub the American view on, do get people's attention, even though they have been detached. They saw Afghanistan on TV and it was impossible to ignore. And um, when they look at the Trump raid, Again, it's impossible to, to ignore. But Garland and his guys seem determined uh, to be so uh, fanatically outrageous, to be so uh, repugnant and repulsive in their behavior. that They force people to look at them. People who would just as soon say, do what you want. I'm not interested in the Department of Justice. You can't say that anymore. So what is going to be the outcome of of millions tens of millions of people who used to pay no attention who now who who now are being forced to pay attention in a in a completely new way in the history of this country, as if we were France, and you know we had to worry on a weekly basis uh what crazy things the assembly was doing or we were England and the tippiness of the government is something that causes us to think about it all the time. And, you know, the PM is on all the popular uh, talk shows. We used it used to be that we didn't have that. And it was a wonderful luxury um, and and we're losing it and we are in, in uncharted waters. I don't think I'm ever pessimistic about the future, but I'm certainly a lot more worried than I usually am.
0: I am, too. I think I'm more, more worried than I've ever been. The raid on the president's home was um, intentional to make Trump the focus, to make f- Trump the focus of, for the 2022 midterms, uh, rather than inflation and the woes that uh, Americans are going through. Uh, it immediately galvanized uh, people around Trump to say, you need to declare now. Uh, which I think is a mistake and will not be helpful, um, but probably will happen. And I think as, as much as I liked Trump and supported him and believed in his policies, if he's the man on the ticket, he is one of the few truly plausible Republican candidates who could lose to Biden or Harris, because there are... A lot of people, and I, and I don't know what, how the numbers add up, David, um, whether, whether the number of people I'm talking about here is greater or a lot smaller than the number of people you're talking about who are dismayed. But gosh, there are a lot of people who will not vote for Donald Trump under any circumstance, and their mind is not going to change. And it doesn't have to do with policy. It has to do with him. Uh,
2: yeah it seems to me the latest fbi raid so spectacularly unsubtle so directly modeled on what the uh, uh democrats have been doing in pumping money into the campaigns of people they believe to be losers losing republicans so <laughs> this is this is their clever move obviously you know pumping up People they believe to be losers and in exactly the same fashion. They believe Trump to be a loser and he doesn't need money, God knows, but he he needs to be put back in the action. As far as as far as the Democrats and the FBI, I mean, the FBI now seems like, uh, you know, a subset of the Democratic National Party. Yes. Yeah. And they put him and, and they put him back where they want him to be. And, and if we start forgetting about this raid, they'll do it again. They'll come up with another trick. They might give it to another uh, branch of uh, another agency to carry out. But um, there, there, there are a lot of ways to put a man at the center of the action if the president wants it done. And the entire leadership of the Department of Justice seem to want it done.
0: Part of me and part of the evidence suggests they want him out. They want to find some crime or make up some crime and convict him and send him to jail. Do they want him out and in jail or do they want him to be the candidate of the Republican Party? This must um, be a
2: huge uh, difference of opinion. The word, the technical word is machlocus and Talman study when when there's a, a question that uh Uh, galvanizes opinion strongly on one side and also on the other side, and people can't really decide.
0: I'm sure some of them want him in jail. What's the word? What's the word from the Talmud?
2: Uh, Machlokes. It just means division, but it just comes to mind so automatically. Okay,
0: okay, go ahead.
2: Some want him to rot in jail, unquestionably. They would chortle every day. I mean, it would be the making of their lives uh, to accomplish that. But others who are... Who have more of the cynical realism of the modern democratic party say, say, make him the candidate first and then put him in jail. You know, why should, why should we end the fun so early? Um, if he is the, if he's the candidate, Republicans will start sweating immediately, including those who like the guy or who love him. They will start sweating immediately because they know that the attacks on him are unprecedented. The level to which the Democrats are willing to go to rip him apart. Um, uh, The way that the last election was, in fact, stolen. You know, people, Republicans themselves say, all right, forget it, move along. And I think that's right. We don't really get anywhere by worrying endlessly about that. But if you look at the figures, um, you know, I'm not saying that the ultimate presidential choice was changed, but you look at the figures and they don't add up, period, um, especially in Pennsylvania, possibly in Georgia. I mean, I've I've seen these results come out of I may have mentioned before groups of tremendously hardworking former students in their in their late twenties, their early thirties. I know about several of these groups in which they just got together and looked at the numbers and graphed them and ra- ran the simple statistical analyses, and their conclusions were well, it, this result would require that. That every single voter in Pennsylvania and the whole state had turned out for this primary and uh, dead people so. are needed to fill out the roster and so forth. I mean, it's a phony. And um, the Republican Party, the institutionalized Republican Party, has helped nothing by uh, by seeming to despise and regard with contempt those who insisted the re- the election Was phony. It doesn't mean that you're accomplishing a lot by insisting on that, but you are establishing a truth. Um, You you can't allow people to be shot down for saying what's true. I mean, people who insist on this are not necessarily saying uh, this means that we must uh, nominate Trump, that we have no alternative. They're just pointing out if you don't take steps, it's going to happen again. I mean, the, the Democrats did it brilliantly and successfully. They certainly uh, phonied it up. They certainly dealt fraudulently with the figures, with the intention of stealing it. I don't know if they did enough, uh, if they committed enough fraud actually to be said to steal it. It might be that Biden would have won either way. Um, I don't know. but But I know that if we establish the tradition of stealing elections or attempting to steal them in this country, uh, we're in tremendously dangerous waters yeah. where we had never been before. Yeah, and, you, right. and you have to look at the moral environment in which these young FBI and DOJ guys uh, mm-hmm. grew up. I mean, I've been seeing this in my students for generations since I since I began teaching that uh, obviously most of them are not are not practicing Christians or practicing Jews. And when I ask them, all right, so where do you get your moral standards? Um, have you been studying uh, Plato or Aristotle? Have you been studying uh, Kant uh, or Hegel? Uh, of course not. I ask them, how do they know right from wrong? And they say, well, it just, it's just sort of clear. I mean, that's exactly the answer I've gotten. And from very smart and thoughtful people. These are not, you know, these are not nobodies. These are,
0: these are. These are your Yale people. students you're talking about, right?
2: Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: But um, but but there's a huge spectrum among Yale students also, from uh, the really bright and interested to the marginal, marginally bright, and uh, all the way up the spectrum. I, I I've heard this view expressed.
0: Back to the election. I think we feel the same way. Washington Post, by the way, itself pointed out that uh, 42,000 votes uh, in the official count divided, uh, separated Biden from Trump. Do we think 42,000 votes might have been falsified or not, not uh, actually existed amidst those states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, others? Um, yes, I do. I certainly yeah. do. But, but I don't think it's worth Incredibly dwelling small on.
2: small number.
0: Yeah, incredibly small number, but I don't think it's worth dwelling on. I kind of stipulate that and say, let's be very, very careful that this doesn't happen again. But but I, I, I don't see much percentage in dwelling on it. The American people don't like to do that. Um, and I think Trump's insistence on focusing on it is a mistake.
2: Um, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. These are the times are too um, threatening dangerous the next election is too important uh, to be a theater for the demonstration of principles or or to be used for any other purpose than winning I mean not unscrupulously but thought has to be directed to that goal how are we how are we going to win and who is going to win I mean I could see a ticket of, of Trump and DeSantis getting a lot of support uh, but Trump on the ticket is lots of problems that we don't need. Also, so
0: right. No, I've, I've I mean, I've said to this audience and elsewhere, I'd like to us to be the nominee. Um, I know him; I've known him pretty well. Uh, he was the most regular member of Congress to call into our radio show back when you remember our radio show. <laughs> we were on it very often, uh, and so it's a great we show. Know him, we know him very well, and he he brings he brings to the table. You know the, the the principles and policies of Trump without Trump.
2: The principles and policies, and also he projects the uh, the same spirit of acting, of yeah, of,
0: acting, of right. doing,
2: and not just theorizing.
0: People look at the raid here. And I've been, you know, I've been watching Fox. I'm a Fox contributor, and the commentators on Fox say, "What a! It was an awful, terrible mistake. Boy, a really bad mistake by <laughs> the Justice Department." I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that they're not playing this game two steps ahead of, of us.
2: Yeah, you, that, say, uh, you said that, and I think it was entirely convincing. I mean, because we've seen this pattern, we've seen that. Uh, Democrats will do things that under normal circumstances would be considered crazy, uh, donating lots of money to Republican candidates and messing around Republican primaries. And if they have half a brain each, they know that the results they get are not necessarily going to be the results they want. They don't know who's the stronger candidate, because that depends on imponderables. It's pure arrogance. Um it, But yeah, it seems to me it's, it was a smart move for the Democrats absolutely in keeping. With the strategy of stopping at nothing um to screw up the Republican campaign, which hasn't even begun yet, I mean, I have no doubt that on inauguration day for Biden, there was already a significant team in the uh, Democratic National Committee or wherever it was, saying, "All right, we did really well." <laughs> This time, how can we do even better for the next election? And that's what they're going to be trying to do. Yeah. And the yeah. and, and any passivity on the part of a Republicans, any tendency to say, "Let's let bygones be bygones, and not keep talking about fraud and insolence." Let's just focus on uh, you know that's uh, that's a natural human reaction, but it leads it leads. Straight to catastrophe in this case. And again, I'm not saying we should become like the Democrats and 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 come up with any um, crazy or repulsive trick we 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 can think of. It's just that we need to focus all our resources on winning, and we need to ask ourselves the question constantly. And um, I don't know that the young guys on Fox do necessarily. I mean, well, you know, those are not really representative of anyone. They take a, a highly theoretical approach to these things. And and the questions they're debating are not necessarily the right ones. Fox does its best. It has some 1st rate commentators. Also, so.
0: But, but the, the task yeah. here of, of the Democrats, the progressives to delegitimize Trump and to delegitimize Trump supporters has succeeded in many quarters. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. I mean, I was talking to oh. a, um, I was talking to a, uh, U.S. history uh, teacher whom I know well, a uh, good guy, um, uh, supported Trump, uh, Mostly quietly, given his uh, neighborhood, where he lives and where he teaches. But she saw the strength of the the Trump presidency in so many ways. And it was a very strong and effective presidency, a very good presidency, in my view, in his view. But says, you know, my son is uh, never, ever, ever going to vote for Trump. And there are just, I think, millions of people out there who say, I just can't vote for Trump. You know, I kind of understand why, because they were so put off by him, but it doesn't make sense for the for the future of the country. but I, I think their their task that they set themselves for the Democrats to delegitimize trump and and Trump' supporters, has, again, succeeded in many quarters. That doesn't mean people should stop supporting Trump. It doesn't mean that at all, but they should be wary and they should be prudent and thoughtful about what they do and who they decide to nominate. It's possible that they did this raid because they wanted Trump out. They wanted him out in front. They wanted him to be the focus of the 22 uh, midterms as well as 24. Right. Uh, and that, uh, you know, the, the more he's out there, Less, uh, you know, we're talking about inflation and other issues and other problems. Right,
2: sure. Because otherwise, you know, if you think of the way of Trump's reputation before he became a politician in New York, um, and he was known, of course, widely, um, as you know, no, his reputation was for somebody who got things done, you know, undertook a construction job the city couldn't manage and did it in a quarter of the time and a quarter of the cost. Uh, and his reputation would go so beautifully with his presidency. I mean, his presidency was notable exactly for that. He's, uh, he's not a refined guy. He's not an educated guy. He's not a professorial academic. Kind of guy, thank God You know, he's But he's the kind of guy You trust to do things And uh, he showed us that You know, he created A a roaring economy Um, He created remarkable things In the Middle East That nobody wants to talk about I mean, that commentators Will not Mm -hmm. talk about Um, As if those Abraham uh, Treaties Don't really like the name But anyway were not one of the true milestones in the, history, in the modern history of the Middle East. I mean, they were. They were and are tremendously important. And, of course, Biden could have pushed forward on that. But his policy, which must be on its face the stupidest in the history of presidential politics, to say what Trump does without even thinking about, I'm going to do the opposite. And then right. afterwards, I'll say, well, maybe I do need a fence and uh, maybe we do need something like the, uh, the maybe we have to treat Saudi Arabia uh, seriously, yeah. even if we don't even if we don't like the yeah. print personally. Uh, you know, they're coming around to these things that are obvious to any child, educated child in the Trump age. And the first thing, let's cancel a really important pipeline. And if you ask it, when I ask um uh, leftists or, or liberals, as they want to be called, who make almost make up almost the entire yeah landscape. Why was the uh, Keystone XL pipeline canceled? What what were the reasons? And not one of them has ever given me an answer. Um, they say, well, you know, potential environmental this and that. And you you'd say, well, I, I all studies agree that it's safer from every point of view to transport the oil underground. And indeed, this is common sense than to transport it in trucks on public roadways and so forth. We need the oil. The left has nothing to say. It was done purely out of spite, hatred for Trump. And to allow yourself to act on that basis, for Biden to allow himself to act on that basis seems to me very close to actionable. I mean, he's the one who ought to be impeached. Not that I would, uh, you know, try and get that policy put through, because what good would it do? Anyway, it seems to me the policy route he's taken is is outright shameful in a way I've never seen in my life, uh, certainly since the Nixon days. And it wasn't really Nixon himself who was doing the. I mean, that's another story. For this entire large period of modern American history, I don't recall anything even vaguely like what is being done now in terms of its sheer irresponsibility, its spite motivated policy. Um, and it's. Um, spite motivated
0: policy. Yeah, that's very good. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, I, I could imagine a big banner that says spite you know, that gets hoisted behind Biden when he speaks instead of an American flag. It's um, it, it takes the American people outside their normal band, outside their normal bandwidth. You know, we don't have that number on the radio. You know, presidents who are not merely incompetent, presidents who are not merely extraordinarily partisan, presidents who look at their own interests uh, long before the interest of the country. We've seen plenty of presidents like that. But presidents who will act for, for, for no even defensible reason, for no reason you can even list on television, uh, you know, or the front page of The Times or The Washington Post, there, there is no reason there at all. All there is is spite.
0: I agree. It's just, it's just spite. It's not a policy. Decision. It's if Trump did it, we'll do the opposite. I I couldn't agree more. But are we too pessimistic? You know, I I find myself telling people who are pessimistic. Look, look, the American people are reacting. Look at the opinion polls. Look at at, uh, Biden's approval rating. You know, um, the antibodies are kicking in. Um, People are, are being punished and they know it. And the attempt to, you know, move Trump to the center stage and everybody just focus on Trump and not on, you know, their Trump. The economy, the price of gas, whatever, will fail uh, because, uh, you know, again, look at look at the numbers.
2: That's I agree with all of that. And it uh, fills a person with fear about about the 22 election. We know that it would be worth the entire universe to the Democrats to win that election in terms of retaining control uh, of the house even by well you can't get thinner if they if they could if they were in a position to say well we won the election everybody loves what we're doing and forgetting forget about the polls i mean that would be so gigantically dangerous to this country and um again outside the normal bandwidth of a midterm election or any election um i the FB, we know from experience that the FBI will stop at nothing. Um, we get the same sense about the IRS and, uh, and, and there are a lot of individual state, you know, attorney generals and attorneys general and, and district attorneys. There are many people who could, who who will open fire. We have to be prepared for it.
0: Yeah. What happens? I think this is um, an extremely challenging moment for America. I think it's a perfect storm of bad things. Um, the years of misteaching in, in the schools and colleges have come to a point, people's distraction and amusement, uh, and, you know, uh, just indifference in toward, toward, toward politics in the, in the best sense. Yeah. Uh, is, is, is that a, is that a peak? Um, yeah. a, a very effective, smart, uh, diabolical effort on the part of uh, the Democrats is underway. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know if our team is up to it. That's that's what that's what worries me. We'll, we'll see. And it certainly
2: is worrying I, when you teach people, when you misteach them year after year and decade after decade, eventually something will happen. You know, you'll see a breakdown of common sense among young people who know nothing about the history of this country uh, and who, not, who know nothing about this country and relationship to the world, who know nothing about the recent history of the country. Um, and that's been sort of the, the policy of my colleagues in college teaching and, and you know, grade schools, And for a long time, conservatives have been content to say, well, the schools are really lousy, aren't they? And, you know, the colleges by and large are doing nothing or doing damage. And we'd all shake our heads and say, boy,
0: is that true? And then we'd go home. But, you know, nothing Well, then we'd go home and write a tuition check.
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Yeah, right. This guy is going to Yale and he's being taught garbage Um, uh, most of the time. I I mean, I I will say that the technical side is still strong, although the ideologues would like to destroy it.
0: The technical side of the teaching at Yale is still strong. Is that what you're saying? uh,
2: Yeah. um, Right. Mm -hmm. The sciences, the the engineering isn't much at Yale, but engineering, the medical school is strong and so forth. Um, uh, The left would like to destroy it. But um, only a very small percentage of students at Yale study science. Yep, uh, yep. M- most of them are there. If it has to do with the reput- scholarly reputation at Yale, Yale used to have a reputation as one of the strongest humanities schools in the world, um, as having, you know, yep. a, a English, English department. English and history. Department.
0: Yeah, that's right. English and, and, and history. And, and,
2: yeah, and but now your your son at Yale, your daughter are being taught garbage, but not just neutral garbage, offensive, dangerous garbage, and 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 yet people are not are not reacting the way they should be.
0: What is the offensive garbage? Give us give us give the me and the audience an example of the offensive garbage.
2: Oh, uh, let's go back to the uh, to the Second World War where. um uh The atomic bombs um, that that ended the war, although they almost did not end the war that were dropped on Japan, are taken for granted as evidence of the fundamental moral um, unreliability corruption of the United States. There is no concept of the fact that American men and their allies were were dying every day in large numbers. And what was going to happen when they were on Okinawa? Well, what did happen when they were on Okinawa? It was, they don't, they don't know these things. And the same thing with the Vietnam War. Um, You know, there was a huge change in the Vietnam War when Creighton Abrams took over. And people, that's just completely nothing. A non-fact to people who look at the war. They say, you know, how could you do this marvelous this 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 awful, this awful is disgusting thing to the Vietnamese people. And thank God they got rid of us eventually yeah. um, with no attention to to what North Vietnam was actually like. Uh, with no attention to what actually so, happened to prisoners, they know n- nothing
0: about it. You're taught to distrust, or even, or dislike, or even hate your country.
2: Right? The 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 United States is always persecuting people. That's what it comes down to. And in a way, the growing anti-Zionism is a consequence because people say. Uh, the United States is always wrong. I mean, yeah. there are many consequences that are uh, dangerous in terms of the continued health of the republic, which requires a certain degree of base knowledge.
0: And that work's not being done—at le- at least not in any uniform way or basically uniform way. I mean, this—this this was the discovery that parents made during COVID when they were looking over their kid's shoulder and said, "What? What they're teaching? What?" <laughs> yeah. I was I I was just with the Republican governors, and you know I've said, well, maybe I've succeeded after fifty years of telling this party that education is an important issue. Yeah. Um, you know, Governor Yunkin in Virginia won on the basis of his, I think, his stands on education um, because he backed the parents who were uh, still so outraged. Was
2: inspiring. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: it, it, okay. it, you know there's. People have to work on this beginning this afternoon. They yep. need to start changing the schools, and the and the direct, simple way to do it in the short term is with software. Software in association with human beings, not just pure software. In the long term, I don't want software to do the teaching. I want human beings. But this is an emergency. I, I want things to change now. It's not a matter of, for talking about even for another six months. It's been a pressing emergency. As you know, you've been talking about it for generations. I mean, the Republican Party ought to say, um, here's what we want to do with education. Over the next five years, we can't take anything for granted. The the, the graduating class of next year is important, too. Uh, we can't wait until five years are passed or 10 years are passed. So in the short term, here's our plan. We're going to do this. And once five years are over, 10 years are over, scores reach this level or something like that, um, we will use the following types of reorganization. I'd like to see the schools made local again, and it can be done using tools like Zoom. I mean, I, that, that's sort of an independent issue. But there are ways to to bring the schools back to the parents, um, they they require fundamental rethinking of what we mean by school. Do all the fifth graders have to sit together? If they do, then I can't have a, a school right around the corner. But if I could have a room with fifth graders along with second graders and sixth graders and uh, teachers who were able to follow all these educational tracks simultaneously with the help of software and local assistants who may not be registered teachers, but who know how to deal with children. It's a radical change in approach, but we need need radical
0: approaches. It's a one-room schoolhouse enabled by the technology,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. And what we need so badly schools that feel the presence of the parents breathing over their shoulders every day. So a mother can just walk in at lunchtime if she forgot to give a child something, and the child can be, you know, sent home if he's sick or you know all these things are should be easy. The parents should be presences who just show up.
0: I'm more and that optimistic. Can be done. I'm more optimistic about this being done because it's it's being done in many places around the country. I'm more optimistic about this than about your Yale faculty. Yeah.
2: um, Right. What is going to happen to Yale and the prestige colleges? I don't know, because Yale continues to sell a valuable product, Uh, you know, a a degree that gets you a high paying job. And if you tell the parents, as as I have done, you're spending all this money. And and have you talked to your child? Do you know or you're, you know, teenager, whatever is, that do you know what he's studying and what he's learning? Yep, 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 yep. Um, many of them say, well, look, I, I worked hard all my life to, get, to have yeah, children yeah. who would be accepted at Yale, and I can leave off worrying because I trust, who doesn't trust Harvard?
0: My kids at Yale, my kids at Harvard, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right, so what's to uh, worry about? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that changes. Does it matter when conservatives in, uh, in higher education build alternative institutions? Have you heard about the University at Austin, for example? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know.
2: Yeah, but it's a start. I I published a book some time ago called America Light, whose conclusion was: if you want to know what to do. Um, Start a new college. That's what we need. And two colleges actually responded to it. They were, were created um, in response to that. Which two? Um, there's a college called Ralston, uh, brand new. It just accepted its first students. And the other one is is Dennis Prager's little videos, which... A oh, yeah. normal person would not regard it as a college,
0: but Prager U. Said, excuse me, Prager U. Prager University is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Prager U. Right, and and he had, but he says, look, I've got a faculty, got a small number of people I rely on, um, and and who don't let me down, and I'm going to expand my faculty, and my money raising is going pretty well, and it doesn't match your idea of a college. Your pre, you know, ordained idea of a college, but it helps out. I think that's true. I think those little courses do help. So uh, these are tiny, you know, these are uh, minuscule yep, efforts.
0: Yeah, yep, yep. But
2: you can't, but you can't say they're too too small to worry about because anything anything in the right direction is desperately needed, no matter how small it is.
0: Yeah. No. And I, I have, you know, I have affiliations with and work with. And have in the past, uh, you know, some of some of the other places. Yeah, and right. um, you know, the University of Dallas. Um, right. You know, Hillsdale. Right. Right. Yeah, efforts efforts are being made at places, mostly small places.
2: Yeah, we're not starting oh, right. at zero by any means. I think of Hillsdale especially, but Dallas. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, it's just the question of is it still a a small concentration of um, abnormally intelligent uh, college administrators and so forth um, that will never shake uh, Harvard, uh, much less, uh, you know, lower intensity colleges? Maybe that's so simply because running a prestige college is just a rip-roaring business. I mean, Harvard can't can't spend the money fast enough that it gets. I mean Yale is putting up new buildings virtually on every empty block or not empty block, because the run- money is just rolling in because the money on Wall Street and other you know hedge funds and stuff like that is so is in a completely different league from the money you might make as a lawyer or a doctor, which used to be standards of doing really well. Uh, for Yale undergraduates. But now if you are assistant director of hedge fund, you know, you're just in a different class. You're in the private jet class as opposed to the uh, BMW class or fancy sports car class. So it's difficult when so much money is being tossed around um, Uh, Right in front of the noses of of the Yale people, the Harvard people, the Stanford people and the Cornell people, you know, it's hard at the most vulnerable time of these young people's lives where they've just graduated. uh, They have enormous debts in many cases. Um, They don't have a clear idea of what they're going to do. They're often hounded by doubts. You know, I should have gone to graduate school or I should have gone to medical school. Um, They don't really know what they should do. So somebody looms up and says, we're going to pay you $200,000 in the first year. And you don't have to do anything, really. We'll show you what to do. And that's just the beginning. You know, your salary is going way up from there. But already you're making more than your father is probably. And um what can these kids do? It's some of them have the have the fortitude to say, nope, that's not what I want to do. But some of them are normal human beings and they follow the money. We know the story has a happy ending in the long term. We the do? American people will not allow it to be any other
0: way. Is that right? The story will have a happy ending. We'll get this right in the end.
2: That's what I think. I mean, not necessarily in my lifetime. But over the long term, uh, this country is too solidly built to be knocked over, even by five simultaneous hurricanes or
0: tornadoes. But it's built on foundations. And tell me why it still survives. Or there's a happy ending when the foundations are not taught.
2: The f- well, that's a really st- good question. But the structure itself continues to stand, you know, I've been reading the novels of Kent Haruf um, who died just a few years ago and uh, became a novelist relatively late in his life. but they're all set in small towns in Colorado, and um, are very plausible pictures of life in these small towns, and it, it, it's not that the students know anything about anything aside from sex, but the structure in which they live. The town whose rules they're obliged to follow, the elections of which they are dimly aware, and sometimes they go to vote, are 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 a structure that they can't destroy without a deliberate Marxist revolution or some other kind of revolution. The, the structure itself is too solid. Um, it will withstand anything but a, a direct attack, you know, with high-powered explosives or nuclear bombs or something. All right. I hope, anyway.
0: (laughs) I hope. I hope.
1: Well, we all hope. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I want to let you know about our friends at Bank On Yourself. Have you been dreading looking at your 401k or your IRA account balance? Yeah, things aren't looking really good right now. And you're not alone. And the experts say there has been no place to hide. But that is simply not true. The truth is you can build a financial bunker that grows and protects your money during even the scariest economic times. The bank on yourself retirement plan alternative lets you escape the financial carnage that has never had a losing year in over one hundred and sixty years. Whether you have been investing for years or just started out, now is the time to bypass Wall Street and bank on yourself. Bank on Yourself lets you reach your financial goals and dreams without taking any unnecessary risks. You get guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income with no luck, skill, or guesswork needed. This strategy also lets you take a tax-free retirement income, which protects you from the coming tax tsunami. Unlike the government-controlled 401k, IRA, or similar plan, you control the money in your plan, not the government. You can use your money for any purpose with no questions asked without interrupting the growth of your savings. This is the strategy famous businesses like McDonald's have used when no banker would lend them a dime and almost anyone can do it. No volatility. Your plan doesn't go backward when the markets tumble. Both your principal and growth are protected. Peace of mind. Perhaps the best reason of all you'll know the minimum guaranteed value of your plan on the day you plan to tap into it and at every point along the way you can get a free report with all the details of how adding bank on yourself to your financial plan can help you take back control of your money just go to bankonyourself.com/bill that's slash bill This information is for educational purposes only and is not a solicitation for the purchase of any financial product. All guarantees are based on the claims paying ability of the insurer.
0: Okay, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to TheBillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbettitpodcast at at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week.